Welcome to the San Antonio Baptist Association. You're listening to a Sabbath Talks podcast. Welcome to the second uh, podcast of using chronological Bible storytelling and preaching and disciple making. Uh, my name is Frank Jackson. I'm the Legacy Church Coordinator for San Antonio Baptist Association. Our guests for this podcast are Brandon Carroll, President of Indigenous Amazon Ministries, and Ralph Clements, Preaching Elder, Cornerstone Community Church, Montgomery, Texas. Last week, we defined chronological Bible storytelling, and both Ralph and Brandon uh, gave a great encouragement for pastors to consider this as another tool in the toolkit and to understand the broad application that chronological Bible storytelling has in your church, that it impacts not only your preaching, because we really live in a culture that's much more focused on that which is visual and that which is a story to teach truth. So expository preaching is fine, but one of the things we're going to discuss in this podcast, this session, is that we're going to discuss uh, the integration of expository preaching and chronological Bible storytelling. Now, at the last podcast, at the end of that podcast, I gave each guest a passage of Scripture to share with us from their perspective the central truth of the passage and a recommendation for listeners to implement that truth in their lives. So since Brandon had the Old Testament passage, Exodus 15, Brandon, if you'll just share with us those two things just to give us a flavor of what um, chronological Bible storytelling might look like and how we're going to communicate it. So take it away. Yeah, thanks, Frank, for, for the opportunity to be here again and, and Saba. Um, as, as we talked about chronological storying, we, we would have already worked through several stories um, an application of those before we, we get to this passage. And so we see Israel has come out of uh, Egypt. Um, they've crossed over the Red Sea. They've seen God redeem them from slavery out of Egypt. Um, and so God has drowned the Egyptian soldiers there, and now they're on the other side in the wilderness and their freedom. And um, so whenever we would do a story set, we would always go back over what they had already learned uh, before we would enter into this. And so as, as I read through this passage and I read the immediate passage before it, um, I saw several things and then I'll get to, to what I, what I believe is the, the main central truth of the passage, but we would, we would redo it and we would lay a foundation. But for me, um, I, I saw, I noticed several things in here and I noticed that the word highly exalted or the greatness of God's majesty, and what he had done for Egypt, or what he had done for Israel coming out of Egypt. Um, and so this song is actually retelling the story of the greatness of God and what he had done for them coming out. And so it's repetitive for them. And so I think, you know, from we see in, in the previous passage um, that the people were, they were terrified and so Moses told them, do not be afraid, stand firm, and you will see the deliverance of the Lord, or the deliverance the Lord will bring you today, and that the Lord will fight for you. And so it, and it says, and when the Israelites, in, in 31 of 14, as we go through the story before we enter the 50, 
says, And the Israelites saw the mighty hand of God displayed against the Egyptians, and the people feared the Lord and put their trust in him and in Moses, his servant. And so the main point for me through 15 is I see these, these themes come out about God being exalted and the greatness of his majesty um, is that the Lord reigns and he is their true God. And, and that they can put their trust in him because God is faithful to his covenants. And this is one of the things that they will see as they've already had a foundation of Old Testament stories up to this point, that they've seen that God is faithful to his promises. And so here's the, here's their personal God. And he's once again fulfilled his promise to them looking to the past. But Moses also points to the future that God will bring them into the promised land. And so just that thing as well as that, that God or, or the Lord, God is, is the object of our worship and he is worthy to be worshiped. And Moses talks about those things that he says, my God, and I will praise him, my father's God, and I will exalt him. And one of the things that we see in the story is that the, the worship that they're doing makes its way to, to the nations, and they will hear about what God had done through the story, and they will tremble. So one of the things that I would point people to, to put into practice um, based on the truth that we've learned through the story um, is that God is the object of our praise and he's worthy to be praised. The other thing um, that I would have them remember through this and put into practice is that God is faithful to the promises that he's made to his people. And so I don't need to fear the world, but I can put my trust in the God who is faithful to redeem me. Um, and these are themes that we see come out throughout this, the story of God's redemption, and especially in this passage, um, to remember what God has done that he's already promised, but what God will do in the future that he's promised us as well. Amen. No, that's great. And, you know, truly, um, that message that you just shared would be so applicable today, <laughs> especially as we encounter people who are just overwhelmed by this pandemic and everything going on and the circumstances are just, you know, everybody seems like their hair's on fire, but we come to the place of just saying, Lord, we have got to trust you in the midst of this mm -hmm. and you see us through. No, that's great, Brandon. Thank you. Andrew, I mean, uh, Ralph, your passage was Luke 24, 13 through 35. So if you would go ahead and share with us, you know, give us the, background and the focus of what's going on in that passage, but then what's the central truths for you and what is it that you would want to communicate to your listeners that you would like to see them implement that truth in their life? Yeah. So thanks Frank for uh, having us again. It's, it's really an honor. The um, I'm glad Brandon set the stage because, you know, these stories do not exist in a vacuum you know, by themselves. And so that's why the chronological to it. And so I get the, I get the pleasure of coming in at the end uh, of this, of this redemptive history story here uh, with Christ. And so, you know, um, there's so much that has gone on up to this point. I mean, I want you to think about uh, this story uh, on the road to Emmaus, these two guys traveling seven miles. Um, they are 
They're confused over the past few days. They're sad. I mean, if you look at, at the text, and it just says they stood there. Jesus asked them, um, what is this conversation that you're having with each other? And the text says that they stood there sad, looking sad. And so um, you, 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 you ju- they just watched their leader, Jesus, uh, be crucified. And, and so I believe the main point of this story, um, first, is, is that God is faithful uh, to his promises, which find their fulfillment in Jesus. You know, Jesus comes along, they're saddened, they don't recognize him. And Jesus begins, the text says that Jesus opened the scriptures to them, right? He opened the scriptures to them. And so what I, what I think the main point here is that God is faithful to his promises, which find their fulfillment in Jesus. All of scripture points to Jesus as the promised deliverer of Genesis 15. And so what we're seeing in this story from Luke is that the Bible can be trusted. God can be trusted that his promises, that the promises of God find their yes in Jesus. And that's good news, right? That's, that's hope. And so here Christ is risen from the dead, walking on this road, saddened disciples. And yet he exposits the text. He teaches them everything that is pointing to him. And so if, if I were to apply this to our lives, you know, first of all, I, w- I would say this, um, you know, God is faithful. Um, let's say you're going through a difficult time. Confusion and chaos is all around us, just like it was with the disciples. Then no answers for the confusion. And then you come to this text and you read the story. Well, how can you be comforted in the story? The disciples didn't understand what was going on. They were confused. And so we we get that straight out of the story. Like, I'm, I don't have to make that up. I can tell you, that's exactly what the text is telling me. They were sad. They were confused about all that was going on. And so there are promises all over Scripture for God's people to hold on to with a resolute certainty that God will be faithful. Um, think about this. And, and this is where, you know, I'm... I'm just talking here, Romans 8.32 talks about this. He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also with him graciously give us all things? That is a promise. And because of what Brandon has talked about, of God's faithfulness, so we have watched, we've walked through the stories from Genesis all the way to Luke here, right? That's what we've been doing. And we're watching that God is faithful. In Genesis 3, he promises that a a deliverer is coming. And and he tells us in Isaiah that this deliverer is coming. Matthew records that the deliverer has come. And now we see that that deliverer between Isaiah 53, that that deliverer was going to die, that he would be crushed, but that he was going to be raised again. And so here we see that the faithfulness of God throughout redemptive history. And so we can trust the scriptures. We can trust that God is faithful to his promises. And he says he will never leave us nor forsake us in a world of chaos like we live in right now. He's there right beside us. Amen. And and of course, what the great thing about that passage is it it says, and Jesus starting with, Moses and right. the prophets. So right. Jesus did chronological Bible story, yeah. storying with these two guys all the way up to the house. Yep. And then uh, they said, hey, why don't you just stay with us? And uh, 
<laughs> yeah, so, and I yeah, think it's interesting you. that he did not reveal himself immediately to them. That's right. Yeah, thank you. Good point. Good you know, point. their eyes are dark and they can't see. And it's the same thing with us a lot of times. We can't see. That's why we got to go back to Scripture. That's why we got to go back to the Word of God and hold on to it because right there is the light. Christ revealed it all, and we just got to go back to the Scriptures as our guidance. He told the story, and then yeah. when they had dinner, they were ready. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> they didn't know they were ready, but they were ready. <laughs> Ralph, man, fantastic. And I appreciate what you two guys shared because it leads into my next question. As pastors, we know the importance of biblical exposition and preaching. So what is the value of integrating chronological Bible storying and expository preaching and communicating with our congregants our participants uh, today? What's the value of, of putting these two things together? Because I think we've already come, at least from my perspective, they go together, but what, what's so important about let's do this together? So go ahead and uh, Ralph, we'll let you start. Can you yeah. pass it? Yeah, I, I think it um, makes the path to understanding wider. Let, let me tell you what I mean by that. Um, you're, you're hitting more people. It's, it's like, I'm going to shoot, uh, and we're in Texas, so I can say this. It's like, I'm going to shoot a pistol versus a shotgun. Right. And so I'm going to hit a bigger target. I've got more options out there to hit people. When I open it up to not just say, I'm going to do this very literate form of teaching, but I'm going to open it up so that I hit a wider group of people with the truth of scripture and it makes it easier you know as we talked about uh last time it makes it easier for oral learners to learn biblical truths through that story and method and so um i, I think that's the value that it brings in bringing those two things together it's not like you have to have one or the other uh but you you hit more people when you bring them together yeah okay andrew go ahead and uh i mean not andrew i <laughs> Brandon, go ahead and share uh, from your perspective how you see this. I, I think it brings the points to life, right? I mean, how many times, you know, in, in me growing up in, in church, and we would have the, the, the four point, and it would be on a piece of paper, and we would fill in the points that the pastor made, but those points don't come to life for people unless they, they get the story behind it, right? So it's harder to remember a point, but it's easier to remember a story. And if I remember the story, I'll be able to figure out the point, right? Because it points me back to the scripture, um, which is another key thing in storytelling is when somebody, when, when we ask a question or they ask a question, we're always pointing them back to the story to find the question. So I just think it, it brings it to life um, for people. And it allows them to be, to I think, to comprehend it, but also not just to understand it, but to want to share it with others as well. Um, so, you know, for example, Frank, I've been meeting with guys on Fridays um, here in Arkansas. We're working through some scripture, and one of the guys said, you know, I just don't have a desire to read God's word. And I asked him why, and he said, because I don't understand it. And I think that when we try to teach people, I think a lot of times with our methods, if it doesn't connect, they're not going to put it into practice. And so, you know, I think this is the of 
of if you do expository preaching, apply it with a scripture or illustrate it with a scripture, that way they can get the application. So that, that's what I would add to that. Yeah, you know, Brandon, I appreciate what you and Ralph both said because too many times, and we're going to talk about the impact in how to use this same method in sustaining disciple making. Too much that I've experienced in some of the disciple making and discipling materials is read a passage, fill in the blanks, and then when you get together and you talk about it, or even the worst thing is what I see in adult Sunday school classes on Sunday morning. You share this story or this passage, and everybody wants to give, here's my opinion. And so you find yourself far, far, far away from what the passage is saying. <clears throat> so the, the Bible storying keeps us focused on what you just said, Brandon, keeps us focused on the Word. <clears throat> Excuse me. So with this in mind, what are some guidelines or recommendations for pastors and church leaders to use the chronological Bible story in supporting and sustaining disciple-making culture in the church? Go ahead, Brandon. Um, you know, for, for supporting it and sustaining it, once again, I'll, I'll, like it's easy for us as pastors or missionaries when we're, when we're teaching people it's easy for us to move ahead in the story because we know the full story, right? That's why we're teaching it, but they don't. And so I think it's easy for us to skip ahead. And, and with chronological Bible storying, a lot of times what we want to do is we want to interpret it ahead with other things. And, and what we do in chronological storytelling is we only want, we only interpret the story that we're doing by the story or by stories that have come before that story. So we never want to move ahead in the story, um, skipping things because we're laying that strong foundation and we're building it brick by brick. And so I think when we skip ahead, we can get people confused. Now in our story sets that we did, the only, the only time we really moved ahead, if Ralph remembers is in Cain and Abel, because Hebrews talks about the faith of Abel and not of Cain. And so we, we, in Hebrews 11. And so we wanted them to get that picture of God had made a promise. And so one of the brothers had faith in the promise that God had made. So um, be careful as you know, one of the guidelines would be to be careful that you don't skip ahead and confuse people um, as you're trying to take them along that track chronologically. Yeah, no. And that is so valuable because too many times in Bible studies, you're right. We get distracted by trying to go farther than where we need to go because you're right. we got to get people to just stay focused on what are we trying to grasp the God's truth in this story or how it relates to what has already happened. Ralph, go ahead and jump in there. How do you see this uh, Bible story and chronological Bible story as supporting and sustaining disciple making in, in your church? Yeah, I like what Brandon said there. They don't know what they don't know. And so you can't can't give them the that part of the story until you get there. I, I think one of the things too is some just some guidelines, some recommendations is um know your people. And I think Brandon said this last time. It's what is the makeup of the literacy level of your people in your church <clears throat> or the people that you're discipling? Uh, you know, I, I just recently came across a, a man who's uh, joining our church has been in the church for a number of years. And he's like, 
man, I just don't know anything. And, and I find it sad and I run into this a lot. Um, and I'm not, I'm not going to condemn. All I'm going to say is, is that I run into this a lot today of, of guys that are my age that do not have a grasp of this, even the basic stories from Genesis to Revelation, even understanding what's going on there. And I think a lot of it has been because we've, we've not taken the time to know our people and know where they are, um, do an orality assessment. You know, that'd be a recommendation, do an orality assessment of people and see where they're at in, their, in, in the orality. And, and it's a very simple, you know, test to do. Uh, I would be slow if I was making a recommendation to a pastor right now, I'd be slow to develop um, chronological Bible storying for disciple making in a traditional setting. Yes. Um, because the, what may happen in that situation is that you may be resisted and kind of upset that part of, Hey, that's not the way we've done it. And, and so what I, what I would say is, is probably take a, a small group of men and begin with them. Maybe, maybe your elders, if you have elders or deacons and, and use your meetings to, um, not, not that you're trying to manipulate it. I'm not trying to say that, but use those meetings as an opportunity to tell a story and then dialogue over that story. That way it's not seen as something new, if you will, but it's just engaging the scriptures with them in a different format in which than what they're normally used to. And so, uh, and in the process, Hey, in the process, you're discipling them and they don't even realize, you know, that you're shifting the paradigm on them um, and just because I know traditional churches have a tendency to, to go against if you bring something new, something they've not heard of. And so I would say that. But another thing I would say, too, lastly, is talk about it. Talk about storytelling all the time. Uh, this is what I did in my first church plant after I um, was trained by Dr. Horn and, um, you know, got with Brandon. I, I fell in love with storytelling. And so I came back to the church ready to talk like. I was excited about this new way of doing things. And so uh, I even took the time. I'm like, Hey, let's get together on a Saturday. I'm going to teach you all about this. You know, I was like, I was excited about it. And so that began as the, as the lead pastor that began to just, it started to be absorbed into that church plan. Um, and, and so then instead of me trying to grab people and bring them on board, they were naturally just on board with, with this. And actually I had so many people writing stories at one time. I'm like, stop. We, we've got to back up here because we've got too much going on. And so I, I would, that's some, you know, it's just some guidelines, some recommendations. Um, you know, know your people. If you're in a traditional setting, develop it slowly um, and then just talk about it as much as possible. Yeah. And then, and model it. So, no, I appreciate yeah. what you, what you shared, Ralph, because I, um, you're, you're exactly right. You and Brandon both. Uh, this is really new because probably for this last generation, uh, much of the focus in church has been focusing on individual, personal struggles, issues, this, that, or the other thing. And we threw scripture in there. We had maybe a biblical basis, but nobody tied it together. And so I think uh, the people you're talking about, the individuals you've met, the individuals Brandon has met, even some of the pastors, they don't know. They don't know the story. They know the shotgun approach. 
you know, a yeah. blop here, a blop there, but they can't draw a line from A to B. So, no, I appreciate what you guys have been sharing. In fact, I want to thank you for <clears throat> this, this part of this discussion. So we're going to close here in just a minute. So, uh, Brandon, I'm going to start with you. What's one takeaway that pastors and church leaders need to consider in implementing chronological Bible story in preaching and disciple making, putting those two things together? What's one takeaway that you would have for them? You know, I think one takeaway is it's reproducible. Um, so we're talking about making disciples and, and I want my disciples to do greater things that I've done, but I also want my disciples to be able to effectively teach God's word to others. And what we found in the Amazon, that's probably the same here is if, if I don't think I can do it, I'm not going to, but when, when it's reproducible and they get it and they comprehend it, they're much more willing to go tell somebody else about what they've learned. Right. Um, so I would just encourage them, especially as today, we're going away from literacy in the U.S. And so to be effective in ministry, we're going to have to change our methodologies of how we're going to reach people. And so orality just isn't an issue um, outside of the United States. Orality is becoming a major issue in the United States. Um and so I think, as we've talked about before, right, that, that stories are what brings to life the scripture um, and the points we're trying to do. But um, I would just encourage them to try it out. Like Ralph said, he was a skeptic, but once he tried it out um, and it, he saw the effectiveness of it, uh, of telling a story. And so just encourage them to, to do it. Um, and if you need guidance in that, you, you've got Dr. Horn at Saba and you've got Ralph there. And, and so there's people that can, that can not just encourage you to do it, but mentor you along the way as well. Yeah. Thanks, Brandon. Go ahead, Ralph. Yeah. I, uh, what I, what I would probably say, and, and I, yeah, I really appreciate that, Brandon. Uh, I would say um, one shoe doesn't fit all. You know, I think that's something that you've probably heard me say in different ways, but um if, if we think that it does, the, the tendency for us is to get frustrated when people are not growing or they're, they're not understanding or that lack of, of understanding manifests itself in outward actions that aren't consistent with Scripture. And then we're like, I don't understand. How can you be in the church for 10 years and not get this, right? So then frustration kind of kind of builds on us. And so, you know, like I said in our last time, many people in our congregation – don't learn from traditional methods. And so the question then for us as pastors and leaders in the church is this, do we want to leave those people that learn orally on the outside without a clear understanding of scripture? I don't, you know, the Bible tells me that I'm going to be held accountable for the people that are under me, right? That I'm over. Here, here's, I'm a, if I got a, just a moment here, I want to tell you a, sh- a really short story to illustrate this. Um, our daughter was having a hard time in school and everyone in our home um, up to this point when my daughter's in school has learned through traditional methods of memorizing and repetition and and the traditional means. But for some reason uh, she just wasn't doing well. And, and I was getting frustrated with her. Uh, We would go over, you know, Mary, all all these um, vocabulary words, we'd go over them and over them and over them and, and, and then the next day we'd get up the next morning and she would not be able to tell me one of them. And I'm like, 
I'm frustrated right now because we just spent a lot of time going through that. And so it was, it was very frustrating until we realized through some tests that some teachers ran that she doesn't learn like we do. And so she was working hard, much harder than what I gave her credit for to cope with the situation, to try to learn. And so we had to adopt a new way of teaching my daughter. We had to implement pictures. We had to implement songs. We had to implement rhymes to help her. We had to get different color coordination on papers. It was just a totally different way to think. And so here's the thing that I would say to our leaders is that if two thirds of our world are oral communicators, um, shouldn't we, we be willing to adopt, adapt new methods so that we can help them to know God's redemptive work? You know, that would be my encouragement I, to, to, to those that are considering this and implementing it. I think, uh, Brother Frank, uh, if I may uh, just uh, jump in here, I think it, uh, it also gives um, uh, the pastor uh, that is doing the uh, exposition of God's word, uh, not just to be informative, but to be uh, to really lead them to uh, the total tenure of of, um, of who God really is. If you don't do that and just fill the congregation with great preaching and information, they're not really. Uh, registering the true and the living God of the word. And I think with the story, um, the storytelling, it, it sets a strong foundation of the truth, not only about God, but who God is. And that makes a lot of difference in daily living. And so that, that's what I'm hearing. And that's uh, one of the things, um, that uh, my takeaway from this, uh, that, you know, it's got to be that way. If not, then we'll continue the same old, same old, as far as uh, I've got to go to a seminary to, to learn how to do expository preaching. Nothing wrong with that. But however, you're going to give the congregation a lot of information and a lot of information is going to make, you know, just people, you know, I mean, it's good information, not bad information, but, to be able to say, look, this is where I'm leading you to understand about who this God is, and it's right here in his word. Amen. Good. Hey, as we uh, draw to close here, um, thank you for the discussion today. Thanks for sharing some practical insights that uh, pastors and church leaders can take away. Um, so next week, what we're going to do is go ahead and stay focused a little bit more on developing and sustaining a disciple-making culture and how Bible story and how chronological Bible story equips the believers to engage the culture we're in. Uh, so this next podcast, we're going to be focusing in on that. Thank you guys for your participation. Thank you for your insight. This has really been a blessing. So I look forward to our next podcast. May the Lord bless you. Thank you very much. Thank you for listening to this edition of the Sabbath Talks podcast. We look forward to continuing our conversation next time in hopes of better connecting, encouraging, and supporting churches for kingdom.